Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 156 for June 5th, 2023. Hubcaps for fans, Vision Pro, Diablo 4, and more news. Let's get going. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com and up there is the AI and hopefully the visualizer is working today because things get quirky sometimes. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. Oh, no visualizer today. That's okay. No, it is not okay. How about now? Let's try that again. Nope. <laughs> Eventually it will work. Doggone it. <clears throat> okay. It'll probably work now. Let's see. Third time's the charm. There we go. All right. Sorry about that. Um, It's an old problem with uh, OBS. But anyway, um, we have we had a um, a situation in in hometown that had priority. And so uh, we're running a little late, but that's okay. Um, Crisis averted. Huh. It says that I'm unstable again. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I was, Are you taking it personally? I, I am. I'm feeling like Twitch is throwing shade at me. Um, you know what? I like you, Twitch. Um, why are you treating me like this? I don't I don't get it. That's okay. Let's see if we can get this show on the road. So we've got 12 articles. Um, I'm not going to go through all of this stuff like we do usually, but I'm going to draw your attention to check out the menu, go sign up over at hometown.com, become a citizen of hometown, and then come back and talk every day, 9 PM Eastern and uh, throughout the day, um, ramping up this week. Uh, I started last week. I did a little bit of the uh, Apple keynote today where you can go and check that out because it is in my VODs right now. It probably won't get ported over to um, YouTube, but at any rate, maybe I'll do it. Um, where I I watched the uh, keynote, and as the keynote went through, I made commentary and my observations, uh, and mainly because I was waiting for the VR headset to drop we thought that it was going to be AR, but it's actually XR. Um, so, well, we'll, we'll talk about it as we go. So let's get into the very first article. And that is now ready to go. Yes. Yes. Would that be ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Um, we're going. Yeah, the AI didn't respond. Okay. So the very first article is in the Warcrafters channel and it's a Diablo 4 already has its first level 100 hardcore character and it's not who you think. There uh, had been some people that uh, crashed uh, and their character died and so they had to restart. But Karn, C-A-R-N underscore, is the person who actually reached hardcore 100 the day after Rob 2628 hit uh, 100 in normal difficulty. I'm just sitting around, I think, 30 now, so I'm not too hardcore. 
Congratulations um, to Karn. I mean, that was pretty fast compared to the regular mode. Well, considering the general access just started two, uh, two and a half hours ago. Um, yeah, they got to Hardcore 100 before the game officially launched. So it says, normally, death in Diablo 4 is not a big deal. Your equipment loses a bit of durability, which can be repaired at your local blacksmith, and life generally goes on. In hardcore mode, however, life decidedly does not go on. When you die, you stay dead, and it's deleted. So, PCGamer.com, Andy Chalk is the author. Barbarian here. Um, streamer Karn, a former StarCraft II and Dota pro, has claimed the crown. They're the world first to Hardcore 100. Now there's 999 others that can follow quickly in his path or their path um, and hopefully get their name on that Lilith statue. Um, I found out today that you can actually complete the game, like do the whole story by the time you're around level 50. Maybe a little higher, well, maybe a little lower. What do you do for the last 50 or so levels? end game grind towards something at least that's my understanding of it because i was watching a streamer and the notice that i saw in their stream was that they completed the story um, now i i guess i have to go and verify this but others are in there's three acts acts act um acts and um those uh, uh, acts are like gates, right? You complete one, you move on to the next one, you move on to the last one. I'm just now completing act one, starting act two, and I'm level 25, roughly. So if I do nothing but focus on doing the quests for the main storyline, I can apparently complete it within the next 25 levels. Now, it that means that you issue everything else. You don't go to side paths, you don't or side quests. You don't ramp up anything other than what's necessary for you to continue the storyline. I don't know. Um, now I'm gonna have to go and do some research, and that means playing the game. <laughs> so guess what? I'll be doing. <laughs> that sounds like some pretty tough research. It's it's really harsh. You know, but I'll sacrifice that um, for gaining that knowledge um, empirically. I can always do research online and find it. But, um, let, let's throw it's probably this. better to test it out by uh, using the game. Uh, correct. I agree. I agree. Um, by the way, you can always vote. You just go to daily election and that's where you can vote for the articles. Um, I am hopefully going to get this solved um making the the links a active link and you can you know, click on the vote and then click on the url or watch the show click on the url read some more stuff come and talk to us here uh, every day and then vote on the articles that you find are interesting that we put in the presentation so um we're working on it um, that said, that's our first article. Diablo 4 already has its first level 100 hardcore character, and it's not who you think. 
There's an implication here that people know who we're talking about, who PC Gamer is talking about, but that's because you'd have to read this article and, and find out that there were others that had, um, they would have been the first two uh, to complete the Hardcore 100, but their character died along the way because of a glitch, like um, a poison um, damage over time tick that killed the character or a glitch where they couldn't do anything except healing potions, um, even though they were not in combat and uh, they, they died. So apparently they weren't in combat. And did um, the game ever reinstate their progress no. or anything? I mean, mm -hmm. I guess they just had to go for, back to zero. Start over. Yeah, I watched one start over with a different character. So, um, kind of a bummer, but I'm surprised that there isn't some type of facility to forensically prove that there was a problem. Um, but I guess it's part of the process and, and part of the terms of service and, and this contest that if something ha bad happens, then something bad happens. Right. Too bad. You don't get on the statue. Well, you're not going to get the world's first. You can't put that feather in your cap, but you, these people are pretty dedicated to the task and they'll be one of the thousand that get on board. But like I said about the other, um, issue here which is once one does it the floodgate of everybody else that was chomping at the bit to become the world's first will come in in rapid succession now and then you're just one of 1000 although there's a couple million that are probably playing this game right now i don't know about million i don't know how many people are actually playing it you want to go on to the next article because this is when Sound. the fun guy at the party comes <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Mm, 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 mm. Mash the button too too fast, I guess. Anyway, this next article is over on the Mobile Channel. Fun guy, get it? Fun guy at the party. Anyway, fun guy may offer jaw dropping solution to climate change. I'm just gonna go straight over to this article. Uh, let me refresh it so that it can actually play the video that might actually be posted there. Eh, it's not. Anyway, uh, Saul Elbin is the author of this over at the Hill. And it says, as planet warming carbon emissions rise, a major solution to climate change is growing beneath our feet. A study Sunday, sorry, a study published Monday in uh, Current Biology found that fungi gobble up more than a third of the world's annual fossil fuel emissions. Hey, look at that. I did not know that. Uh, as such, fungi represent a blind spot in carbon modeling, conservation, and restoration, co-author Katie Field, a professor of biology at the University of Sheffield, said in a statement. The numbers we're uncovered, or we've uncovered, um, are quote-unquote jaw-dropping. Field's team found that fungi pulled down 36% of global fossil fuel emissions, enough to cancel out the yearly carbon pollution from China. The world's largest okay, carbon emitter. Okay, that's pretty significant. Hey, that's really amazing. Now we can uh, just put fungi as the responsible party for cleaning and saving our uh, ecosystem. Let's not do any r reform. 
Yeah, I know. But I think we should plant a bunch of fungi like in certain heavy um, pollution areas. But yeah, we can't go, oh, China. well, that's the solution to everything. Like yes, I was China. thinking we could just blanket China. Yep. And the United States. Yeah. And, and pretty much every industrialized every, nation. Just Exactly. <laughs> instead of having grass, we can black out the sun and just have yards full of mushrooms. Is that? That doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs> no? Oh, well, look, I'm looking for solutions. I'm the, I'm the solution uh, mayor. I'm the mayor of solutions, of Solutionville. If you're going to go somewhere, you're going to go to Solutionville, of which I am also the mayor of. No? Yeah, I don't not. know about that. <laughs> So fuels I thought you were team. Mayor Watt. <laughs> I am Mayor Watt. <clears throat> I can be the mayor of more things. I mean, if Elon Musk can be the CEO of 15 companies, I think he's only CEO of like four, but only four. Um, then I can be the mayor of more than one fictional town in, in the Omniverse. I'm substituting my own reality. So fungi are a broad biological kingdom that produces mushrooms. Really? The fruiting I mean, bodies. Does anybody reading this not know what they are? I don't know. Some people can't detect what a fungi I am. <laughs> uh, anyway, they're fruiting bodies of far larger organism that sprawl underneath the surface. You you basically don't see the entirety of the fungi because it has little tendrils in the dirt and then the fruiting bodies pop up out of said dirt and off you go. And um, it's not so much planting as inoculating soil with, um, with a fungus, with a mushroom. It's pretty cool and it's pretty easy and I would like to uh, do that here in hometown, but uh, the other constituents on the board that make up the advising body for hometown um, have vetoed that. So let's see here. Since those plants are making that sugar out of carbon dioxide from the air, that means that fungi are in effect a growing subterranean carbon bank. So. That's how they grow because they basically pull carbon out of the ground and they actually breathe and they generate heat. Um, so if you are growing um, mushrooms somewhere, it will be more humid, it will be hotter, and eventually um, it will uh, cast off additional little fungi. So you have to control your environment and not let it spread all over the place. You have to pluck them before they do this. So anyway, um, rich in nutrients, great for the uh, ecosystem, pulling carbon out of the air and uh, turning it into something that we can actually eat. So some of the carbon molecules may break down further to be bound in solid form into minerals in the soil. And some may be bound back into the bodies of new plants and others are lost back into the atmosphere because fungi, like animals, release carbon dioxide as a waste product of respiration. 
So it's pretty interesting. So yeah, did you know about any of this? Like I'd never heard about fungi doing this. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's part of the process of uh, doing research to um, grow mushrooms and I've always wanted to grow mushrooms. It's just one of those things where it seems like it's arcane, but it's really not. Um, as long as you have the um, inoculation, then you can sterilize some hay, get it really soaking wet, inoculate it um, after draining it for a certain amount of weight. You throw your um, mushroom seeds in there and essentially mushrooms and eventually it will spread fill out an entire bag and wherever you jab holes mushrooms will start sprouting out of it and boom and as long as you pluck them before they bloom and spread uh, more mushrooms all over your facility um, you're you're pretty good but um I've known uh, the benefits of mushrooms for quite some time and uh, they can be done. They can be grown just like microgreens, except in a slightly different environment. Um, so you can grow them vertically um, in a closed in space. You just get the air flowing in, in a controlled temperature as well. Um, and uh, it's pretty easy peasy. And I think that more local areas should be doing it instead of just massive like large companies do this um, and it doesn't take much. All you have to do is basically go online and do a search for grow your own mushroom kits and you can get started in your own house. Just know that pets, cats and stuff are going to be interested in these mushrooms as they grow. So let's go on. Let's get, let's go on to the next article. Oh, come on. So the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Directors Guild announces deal with Hollywood producers. This isn't really the, this isn't the Writers Guild. Um, the, the Directors Guild of America, a union that represents film and television directors, announced on Saturday that it has reached a tentative agreement um, with Hollywood producers. So in the news, DGA, DGA said its deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers will include a 5% pay uh, wages and benefits increase in the first year of the contract with raises of 4% and 3.5% in the next two years of the deal. So it's a three-year deal um, that'll reduce the workday length uh, for assistant directors and implemented safety guidelines, including the first ever pilot program. Um, so this is uh, over at the Hill and Olafemian Ocean is the author of this. Hopefully I'm pronouncing their name right. Um, so the first ever pilot program is to require the employment of dedicated safety supervisors, expanded the safety training programs um, for both directors and their teams and ban of uh, live ammunition on set. As far as I've known, it's always been banned. There's been a problem um, that presented itself because there was, oh, what do they call them? I can't remember the person's. Oh, well, it was the movie Rust and yeah. the actor was Alec Baldwin. 
Yeah. So on the rest set, there's a, a particular person that's supposed to be involved with uh, the firearms and they call them some something specific arms something i don't think they call them arms handler but anyway that person actually requested apparently requested live ammunition they were inquiring about live ammunition and they were advised do not bring live an ammunition onto the set um they were called an armor it looks like oh armor that's right that's what they actually call them so they call them an armor this particular person um was relatively new um, but associated with somebody that has a long tail in the industry um and so there i don't think that there should ever be live ammunition even in the same zip code for crying out loud so um too many accidents can happen so in a statement, DJA President Leslie Linka Glatter said that the deal will recognize the future of our industry as global and respects the unique and essential role of directors and their teams as we move into the future, into that future. I don't think directors could ever be replaced by AI, but um, I guess where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I don't think so either, but I wouldn't think half of what AI's replacing could be replaced by AI. So. <laughs> yeah, I listened to a podcast uh, today where the people actually it was yesterday and today because I only listened to half of it. But um, in both halves, they were talking about AI <clears throat> and they are like vocally upset that a story could be generated by an AI. Uh, because just knowing that a story was generated by an AI impugns the integrity of the story. Apparently you can't bond with an AI generated story, even if the story speaks to you. And I didn't tell you that it was AI generated until afterward. If I have you read my story, you fall in love with the story and its messaging. Suddenly I've offended. I've, I have stabbed you in the back. You bastard Mayor Watt for using an AI generated story to move me. Yeah. I mean, my editing actually reviewed it to the point where I said, yeah, you know, I think this is a great story. Totally buy into it. I think it's great. So a human looked at it and said, yeah, it's okay. But apparently uh, these two people um, were vocally upset about it. I don't know. I think it's like Westworld. If you can't tell the difference between what's real and fake, does it matter? I don't know. We're getting fed a whole lot of news that is manipulated. Can't tell the difference until we trust but verify. So what do we you think? Through Snopes or something. Yeah, that's right. Snopes. So this is pretty cool. It's moving a little bit forward in um, adding some equity and... Uh, but this is just I mean, yeah how many directors are there compared to writers um i'm assuming directors are higher paid than writers like i think this is good but i don't know if this reflects on what will happen with the writers so it's really interesting because the writers guild of america the wga is a union that represents more than 11,000 professionals in the entertainment industry and that doesn't seem like a lot does that seem like oh, a lot no. of representation? I thought it would be many more. That has to be low. That can't be right. Can that really be right? Huh. Well, 
it says here um, that they launched a strike early last month in an effort to get better compensation for content produced uh, for streaming services. I think um, somebody paying themselves $250 million in total compensation for a year is a little bit overkill. And I think that should probably go towards the people that are part of the union. Come on, that's sociopathic level money there. Um, uh, it's just wild. So the writer um, strike so also. By the way, I think that number is low because Writers Guild of America West has around 20,000 members, and that's not even obviously all of America. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't fixate on that. Um, to me, it seems like it was a low number. So let's let's just hope that more equity inclusion opportunity equity fundamentally i mean if you're not a good writer then you're not gonna get i mean people are gonna pay more for a, a better writer you would think right but some of the discussion that i've uh, been told about has been about uh, requiring certain writing rooms to be a certain size etc cetera, etc cetera. and business just doesn't allow for that um but bargaining power does so good luck uh, writers um i don't envy your position in this but uh pretty much well i don't know many of the fields that i've interacted with have had uh, union protests at some point so let's uh let's go on to the next article uh this next article is over in the warcrafters channel and it's uh about street fighter 6 even Street Fighter 6 has been modded into VR now. I think anything that has Unity um, or Unreal Engine um, is going to be able to get pushed into VR. But I'm not sure if this is actually how it works. So let's go over to PC Gamer. And Jody McGregor uh, wrote this article. Maybe don't try this online is what it says. Street Fighter 6 VR. It says my quest two is pretty much just a play thing. Uh, I play beat saber on at this point, but it's always nice to see a flat game ported into VR. Uh, they've played the headset implementations of quake two and various other 90s shooters. And it's always felt right. The nineties peak, uh, VR mania and seeing the first person games of that era through goggles that get foggy. If I put them on my hot face on a cold day, it seems exactly like where they belong. But apparently a VR implementation of Street Fighter 6, which is a brand new game dropped last week, um, comes to us via Prey Dog in the latest version of Ref, uh, Re Framework, which adds VR support to all RE engine games. Um, uh, I forgot the what the RE engine is. Um, that's an acronym, actually. Anyway, um, RE engine. Um, oh, Resident Evil engine. Doggone it. It's the actual engine that powers Resident Evil. It even says I it see. supports the I modern Resident Evil. <laughs> um, and uh, Village. And so it was pretty much easy to port it all over Devil May Cry 5, Monster Hunter Rise. And yes, it now supports Street Fighter 6. So I want to watch this. I, I don't think that there's a, is there a video of it? Is that really going to be VR? Is it going to show me? Let's try it. I'm going to mute it. Apparently, uh, this is VR Street Fighter 6, uh, but I don't know how it all works. Um, 
Well, because you have to be, hit you're buttons. watching the fight. Yeah. It said that in the article. So you're just watching the fight? Yeah, you're not like Actually the one fighting. in the fight. Yeah, I'm glad that you read the article. <laughs> so that's neat. Uh, more immersive. I guess you get a slightly different camera angle too, but you're still focused right on it. So I would love to, it was really funny because um, when Street Fighter came out, Street Fighter six came out, I actually said uh, this would be great as a VR, actual VR game where you're the one that does it, but you would have to use your controllers to activate certain powers, but your swing in the, and then the, um, types of attacks that you do uh, in order lead to your power moves. Um, but there is no game like that. Although there was a game that I was playing that it used to be, it was a, a beta game. I think it was called Sucker Punch. Um, had like certain moves that you could do to power up. I thought it was a fun game, but um, at any rate, here we go. I want more stuff ported over to VR. And we'll get to one of the things why, but I don't think that it's people that economically are economically sound. <laughs> it's not an economically sound decision, correct? <laughs> um, let, let's go on to the next article. Uh, I think that uh, this one is kind of it's very limited in story. So this next article is over in the continuity report and it's about Hocus Pocus. If you've never seen Hocus Pocus, the original, uh, it's a treat. And uh, Hocus Pocus 2 came out uh, when? A uh, year before last? Uh, it wasn't last year. 2022, I think. Was it really? It's only been a year? Huh. Wow. Oh yeah, look. Hocus Pocus comes after the success of the 2022 Hocus Pocus 2. Um, the third Hocus Pocus film is officially in development. Walt Disney Pictures uh, president Sean Bailey has confirmed in a profile with the New York Times. Bailey said that, yes, Hocus Pocus 3 is happening. So let's go over to Variety. Um, I don't know if it'll continue. It'll have these three. So let's see in the article if it is uh, going to have the, the same three. Um, McKinley Franklin is the author of this article over at Variety.com. So it says, um, Hocus Pocus 3 comes after the success of 2022 sequel Hocus Pocus 2, which saw Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy um, reprise their children-hungry witching roles. Wow, that should not be a phrase. <laughs> that's exactly why I paused. I'm like, huh, that's kind of a rough statement to, to make. Um, so the sequel broke records amongst the Nielsen top 10 streaming charts, taking home the largest opening weekend with 2.7 billion minutes viewed following its September 30th premiere. And Disney Plus, the Disney Plus movie also became the most watched original film for Disney Plus over the frame of the first three days of release. So it's kind of mild mannered. It's not overly violent. Um, it every once in a while, it all have something that's a little risque depending on what your level of risque aversion is because there's risk aversion but um anyway the uh they would say something where if you are an adult you kind of tilt your head like why is this even part of this 
Um, uh, well, I should say, if you're a parent, you'll say, why is this even part of it? If you're an adult, you won't care. And if you're a kid, it'll elicit a what is that? Um, which leads the other two segments to go. Oh, my God. Now I have to explain this. So. The sequel broke records. So what do you think Hocus Pocus 3 is going to do? Is it going to have the same people? Um, I think it would have to if it's going to come out relatively soon because they're so known for it. And I don't think it set anybody up to be like another generation of the witches or anything. Right. Because theoretically they were removed. They were deleted. They were. I'd forgotten what the ending was. Right? Um, they saw themselves freed of their witchcraftery at the and I, right. did I just ruin it for everybody? It's a spoiler alert. Maybe spoiler Retroactive alert. Retroactive spoiler Whoops. alert. Retroactive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, so maybe somebody else would kind of be activated by another spell. I mean, if they're really going to replace them. But I hope the three actors are in the sequel. So it says here, though, not all original Hocus Pocus characters were featured in Hocus Pocus 2. Screenwriter Jen D'Angelo hinted at a potential sequel that would showcase Omri Katz's Max Dennison and Vanessa Shaw's Allison Watts. So these are the two uh, kids, right? Right. The kid and the girlfriend, I suppose. Not the sister. Not the little girl. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. This is the the love interest and um this is the 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 kid that moves into the neighborhood mm -hmm. yeah so um it says we tried so hard to get the original cast back for cameos then it uh, just kept not working out for one reason or another d'angelo told variety but i'm hoping in hocus pocus 3 we'll see max and allison uh, living in california but it's not saying who else is going to be in there. It says cameos. So it's going to have to be a completely different generation of hocus pocus scene going on. Right. But like Max and Allison aren't going to be witches. So. Right. That makes me wonder who's going to play that role. Because it'd be hard to have a hocus pocus without witches. Yeah. And it has to have the black flame candle. Exactly. Um, was the cat set free or did it just move in? Yes, with them? the cat was transformed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Into the per back into the person, the kid, yeah, into the boy. And he went with his sister off to mm -hmm. wherever. So I'm ruining the whole movie. Well, that so, was from the first one. Let, let's let's run away. Um, well, let's go to the next. Hopefully, anybody listening has already seen these movies. <laughs> Go to the next story. Hi, hi, I'm Mayor Watt and I run Ometown. Um, and this story is in the Stock Marketeers channel because it has to do with business. And it's the business of, uh, I'll just say applesauce. Um, because boy, oh boy, are you going to need a lot of applesauce to buy the $3,500 Vision Pro headset? Oh, by the way, there's a Mac Pro. That starts at $6,000, but it's apparently cheaper to max out. What a deal. What a deal. Um, I mean, did they really have to do $34.99 at that price point? 
Look, I am not paying a penny over $3,500. So they made it right under the wire. Okay, let's go over to the actual source. Emily Berry wrote this article. Apple refreshed its watch, iPad, and Mac operating systems while announcing a new Mac computer and long-awaited foray into a new reality. So these are the goggles. They look kind of like a mix between uh, ski goggles and scuba. And they don't have an overhead strap. They have amazing resolution per eye. They do this neat trick where the uh, eye-facing cameras inside the, the... It's actually not augmented reality or virtual reality it's mixed reality because it can do both with the turn of a knob at the top of the uh, goggles i don't know how to refer to them as anything other than goggles but i don't really like that term um, i think in time the thickness of everything will reduce and the feature set the capabilities the technology will increase but right out of the gate, $3,500. It is it is nearly 10 times what I paid for the Pico. But the Pico is a fraction of the capability of this. Yeah, but it doesn't look like ski goggles. Yeah, I mean, it does, honestly. Yeah, but it doesn't have this huge... A pane of glass in the front that is actually an OLED screen um, and curved glass laminated so that it has its components um, stuck right up against it um, and it's curved. Um, it has an aluminum machined frame for these glasses. I'm mostly talking about the uh, Vision Pro headset. Uh, nothing else in this article really matters to me. Because it's iterations, it's iterative steps, you know. They were once this, and now they're this. But this is a whole new class of device for Apple. Um, and I can say that if the price would have been $1,500, then I could see buying into it. But $3,500 is just wild. It is, though, all by itself, self-contained, it doesn't need a computer. Um, I didn't verify if it has cellular capabilities, but it can take, um, it can work with your iPhone to do um, um, FaceTime calls and stuff like that. Um, and it does this neat trick where it actually scans your face and then superimposes it on the camera so that when it's broadcasting out, um, in FaceTime and in other apps that use the uh, API, it actually shows your real face without your headset on. <laughs> it's pretty amazing tech based That's on what I saw. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and then you can walk around with it. You can throw displays up. You're basically um, surrounded by 4K screens and you can just put instead of having a window that is where the screen is, you just put the screen 
like you put the app there, you put the app there, you put the app there and it's the app. It isn't a window within your field of view wherein you interact. It is the app in place there and you can put them anywhere you want based on the presentation. But again, at 3,500 bucks, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, but there's so much more to this headset that I will be talking about it more in the reality hacker show. Um, once I compile enough information to do a weekly show about, um, that topic, which is about virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, deep fakes, etc. Um, and WWDC is primarily software. So that's the main focus for all the rest of this article. The hardware is for all of the software. And so again, like I said at the beginning of this, that AI is actually, I think, falling asleep right now. Um, the, uh, the hardware is just there as the vehicle for the software. And so I don't really worry about getting into the hardware. What do you think? I think the software is where it's at. <sighs> Man. Okay. Um, you're really quiet by the way. Um, so the software, uh, it's quite amazing. Um, they're adding a lot of functionality, usability. The user experience is, um, getting better and better. You really should watch my VOD. Um, I mean, you can watch the, the show itself. Um, the, uh, the keynote at Apple, Com. But if you want my reaction, um, then you can actually watch um, my keynote. Um, let me see if I can grab. I'll grab the URL and I'll throw that in chat. So um, my reaction video is that right there um, where I watched and discussed the keynote in real time. And I threw it in chat, so you can uh, just click on that and then watch it. And I'll throw that into, uh, yeah, I'll throw it over to YouTube as well as a separate um, Smack Talk it, channel. I was going to say, is that on Smack Talk? Yeah. Um, but there's so much there that, uh, you know, five to six minute segment on it just do doesn't do it uh, justice. And I think that Smack Talk would really be a great uh, weekly show, um, once a week where we talk about apps and, and the hardware and other software and anything else that really supports, um, the, the, the Mac, uh, story that, uh, that's out there. Um, now WWDC runs all week, so you can actually take part in it. You can subscribe and become, um, a software developer only in 99 bucks i think now i don't remember it auto renews pardon me will they have other announcements for the rest of the week i mean because they already announced quite a bit no not in this not in this context there's stuff that's presented throughout the week in the the conference um but you have to go and uh, check it all out um there's something like 150 or something like that um, presentations um, hands-on stuff, um, you know, interacting with developers in 
um, Apple and so on. Yeah, it's pretty cool. If you're a developer, it's all pretty cool. Did you want to go on to something else? Sure. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Come on. So it this was a next dramatic article. pause. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> OBS. This next article, and all of this is going to be left in, folks. So uh, you get to see how the sausage is made. <sighs> I don't even want to know how the sausage is made. So this next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Um, this is really where I, in the Hatch Ideas channel is where I take stories that are business related um, and I peel back the layers to look at the true reality. And as I peel back the layers, it makes you cry either because you're laughing um, or the reality is it's making you cry. Um, and so there's all of this massive hype about uh, this article's title, which is the Barbie movie may have caused a global pink paint shortage. And it says the long anticipated film is slated to hit um, theaters later this summer, July 25th, I think it is. Um, so let's go over to the article and this is an entrepreneur, but entrepreneur.com is by far not the first or last to hype this thing about pink paint shortage. So um, in discussing this, because I've already discussed this with other people, and then today I discussed this, um, I posed the question, how is pink paint made? And by golly, if people didn't realize that pink paint is made by red paint and white paint, my gosh. And so you can get every shade of pink by differing shades uh, or dilutions of r solid red with white. So it says life in plastic is certainly, oh, Emily Rella is the author of this article over at Entrepreneur. And again, I'm not calling this person out. I'm calling out the idea that there was a, a general global pink paint shortage. <laughs> it's not possible because you don't buy pink paint. You buy tinted white paint and they squirt different concentrations of color in to get you your exact shade of pink. Well, in this, it says here, life in plastic is certainly fantastic, but creating the perfect Barbie dream world for the upcoming Barbie movie came at quite the cost to the global supply chain. That is a global shortage of pink paint. Now, that's the statement that I call out as BS. It's just not. That's not even possible because there is a plethora of sources for red and white paint, and you can get to this shade um, in a heartbeat. So it says the world ran out of pink, Greenwood told the outlet. Now, it ran out of Roscoe brand pink Barbie paint. We delivered everything we could they got it all. We can't wait to see how it looks in the film, said VP of Marketing and Digital for Roscoe, Lauren Proud, per CNN. Others re reiterated this, you know, run on uh, pink paint. But the reality is that there's supply chain issues, sure, but for Roscoe. 
not for everybody. You know, there's other solutions out there, other providers of pink paint. And there might have been even supply problems with other colors from this brand. Sure. Um, and they suffered from an issue in Texas where their equipment and storage supplies were impacted by the freeze. Um, so, no, not a general, you know, dearth of pink paint everywhere. Give me a break. Anyway, yes, I must be fungi at parties. Anyway. Let's, let's move on to the next article so I don't soapbox on this. This is what draws my ire. Can you believe it? I think I need to. <laughs> we need to put it into context compared to yeah. some other things. So a couple of days ago, or yesterday, a couple of days ago, we talked about Maryland's starspangle200.org license plate. <laughs> and uh, I got notified of this. This is in rounders gear because it has to do with gambling because the Star Spangled banner, sorry, the Star Spangled200.org website points to a gambling site. <laughs> that domain points to a gambling site, all because the organization that was in charge of that domain folded and nobody decided to give it to somebody else, right? Yeah. That's right. I was just checking. It was on the June 1st episode. If you want to go back and listen to that. Gotcha. So here, I'll put it to you this way. If they would have contacted me, I would have hosted that in a heartbeat and I would have hosted it on hometown. Not a problem at all. Starspangle200.org could have lived in perpetuity uh, because it's 15 bucks a year for or 10 bucks a year for a domain. And I actually have at least one account that has lifetime hosting. So I could have thrown that on there and it would have persisted forever until that provider of the, that site or that server closes and doesn't transfer its assets anywhere. I could have had this site running for 10 bucks a year, <laughs> but no, that this is why uh, state, local, everybody needs a tech that they, that does the due diligence necessary to answer questions like this. And you keep that person on file. You keep that person on contract um, because I could easily have done this again and again for free. Anyway, the Philippines government has dismissed um, media reports linking the Southeast Asia country to a widely used commemorative uh, license plate in Maryland that features a URL that directs to a Filipino focused online casino uh, website. So I'm not sure why the Philippines government should say anything. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward that there's a gambling site that, right? I mean, it just happens to right, be in the Philippines. But I think they're trying to make the case that it's like state run or something. Who was trying to make a case that it was state run? I don't think the are somebody in the media. I don't know if it was in the US media. Oh, well, that's just asinine. Um, so uh, casino.org actually did some digging and determined that the star spangle 200.org website is today linked to an entity called gaming Curacao. Um, it's unknown when the Maryland state government and us national park service, the latter of which owned the website as late as 2020, when the URL directed to the star spangled banner national historic trail 
decided to retire the website and allow the domain to be purchased by a foreign entity. Um, I don't know, retire the website and unbeknownst to them, it uh, a drop. So I refer to a domain that is no longer registered as dropping um, and falling outside of its renew window. There's usually a delay before it actually gets released back into the wild. <clears throat> um, so it says gaming Curacao holds a master license for online gaming um, from the government of Curacao, the Caribbean island country is a hotbed for offshore gaming companies that target players residing in other countries where gaming online gaming isn't allowed and by online gaming they mean gambling so more than 450 iGaming websites in operation are licensed through curacao so there you go let's go over to this um the site itself devin o'connor at casino.org put this article together so it says when the license plates were issued between 2012 and 2016, the URL directed to a state website that paid homage to uh, the war that involved the young United States against Great Britain. But today the website redirects to a page that encourages visitors to play Philippine online casinos. Maybe that's the statement that drew the ire because it directly named Philippine online casinos. And by the way, I'm glad they're featuring that article because that was the one that we put in the show, even though there were additional articles on the topic. Gotcha. So it says, um, there's a quote here. Philippine, this is a quote from that, this article. It says the website reads, which seemingly could have been written by an AI, Filipinos love to gamble. So there is a growing need for new and improved gaming systems. They all, without a doubt, have a lot to offer from fantastic games to generous bonuses and everything in between. Yeah, I would agree. It could have been written by an AI. <laughs> Chat GPT is taking even uh, run on sentences uh, to a whole new level. So it's unknown who or what the entity is behind the website that provides registration links to unregulated and therefore illegal online casinos that are targeted toward Filipinos. Interesting. So their statement is PAGCOR, which is the Philippine Amusement and Gaming Corporation, has nothing to do with said website, as well as the gaming activities happening therein. As the country's gaming regulator, PAGCOR does not condone illegal online gambling, a PAGCOR statement explained. All right. Well, there you go. There's more to this article, um, but for all intents, somebody fell asleep at the wheel of this. And uh, that domain should never have been left to the wild. Not if you're going to have anything government. Once you have it associated with government, you pretty much should own it forever. And you can register a domain 10 bucks a year. <laughs> or maybe don't put a um, URL domain name it. on a license plate. Right. Yeah. Because even if you want to update it, then it's done. So just to put it in context, 800,000 license plates, 800,000 license plates. <laughs> that is quite a bit. Um, I don't know how they're going to deal with all of those. Yeah. Recalling them in stages, because right now every vehicle in Maryland that has one of those plates is advertising a, a, a gambling site. How do you want your state associated with that? 
Well, especially when your state is kind of anti-gambling. I mean, not entirely, but certain gambling is prohibited. Right. Yeah, maybe they need to change their tune. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe some due diligence about how this domain dropped um, and uh, find out if it was an accounting error and somebody just fell asleep and thus you might be able to claw it back because it you might i don't know um but i don't know a little bit of due diligence so hopefully maryland is actually looking into it find out what's going on that article didn't actually say much about that part of it you want to go on to the next article though that sounds good uh this uh Next article brings us back to Apple, where we are squeezing it as much as possible and getting all that apple juice all over us. Apple is dropping hay from, I can't say this because I'm surrounded by apple products. You could so smell anyway, it. Um, yeah, you can. They're dropping the hay from the command that wakes uh, Siri up and allowing users to issue multiple commands, which is spectacular news. First off, I'd rather not even say the name. <laughs> I'd rather it be my own unique command. That hasn't happened yet, uh, but Apple is dropping the command and just allowing you to say Siri. And now you can issue multiple commands without needing to summon the assistant repeatedly. There are some commands that you can issue simultaneously, like turning on or off lights, as long as it is on or off, not a multitude of commands. Well, Apple announced it'll now use a shortened phrase, just Siri, instead of the previous hands-free voice command in iOS 17. The company also noted that it would add support for multiple commands. Let's go over to Apple Insider and Amber Neely. Um, I, I can't keep on repeating that because it's taking too much of my brain power to weed out making the statement. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, not much more else in this article, uh, but there is uh, a little bit. There's some links uh, connecting you to more articles about WWDC and whatnot. But uh, everywhere that Siri goes, you'll now be able to just say the name Siri. Now, here's the problem with that. I've just said Siri 15 times, 16. And now I won't be able to even mention Siri. Exactly. The only thing saving us now is that you can talk about it, but not say the phrase. Right. I'm also concerned that that word alone sounds like other words. And so yeah. the only thing preventing that from activating right now is the hey. So I have a proposal, Apple. I think that you should do this. You need to issue communicate communicator badges in the shape of Apple, the little Apple logo that you can just stick on your shirt and then you can tap it. It's touch sensitive. It activates immediately and offers one thing. You have the verbal connection to Siri. So you tap that and then say your command, including the name Siri, just so that you can sit there and interact with Siri and not just 
go straight into series mode of actuation. I want to be able to sit there and say, Siri, do this. It makes it a little more personal. It makes it a little bit more interactive. Whereas if I have the little communicator, just simply activate Siri. Yeah, it basically is just me commanding an AI to do something, which I already deal with all the time here in hometown. I got an AI that's sitting right there talking to me right here. Yeah, right there. Right here? Hey, look, right there. <laughs> right here. Right there. <laughs> so I, I think that it would be great to have a little communicator and just tap it. It activates. And um, I think that actually exists somewhere um, right now, but um, it might actually be a star trek communicator okay well that's what i was actually thinking when you were describing it yeah oh i didn't throw this really short article over into um the show notes so into the vod as well so let's do that there you go you want to go on to the next article yes i do i didn't do it there we go hey so the next article is in the Warcrafters channel. This is probably the oddest thing that I've seen um, in the last three years regarding a PC. And that is hubcaps for PCs are now a thing. You've seen racing style gaming chairs. Now is the age of racing style PC fans. If you're having trouble picturing such a thing, just look to MSI's latest innovation in the PC cooling space, the floating hubcap supreme it says supreme fan design i've I, I i've i don't think i've ever used that word before anyway it's a floating hubcap i'm gonna hit play here hopefully there's no audio that right there that right there supreme so you okay, see how so it's my not first moving? question is whether this has been tested on fan showdown oh that's funny um so let me refresh that so that i can play it one more time there you go so what normally happens is that thing sits there and spins like crazy um but it's the hub and that's pretty typical well now the floating hub cap as it were oh and here's a, another video but this one has lcds in the hub so I'm all up for that. That sounds good to me. Um, I like the idea of uh, little LCDs that might have information. Although I'm never really looking inside a PC case. Um, mine are on the floor and don't really, I don't really care about lights and stuff like that. It's not a showcase. Um, but if you're going to do it, these little hubcaps are, I, I guess the, the next little kitschy thing to do it says also I known mean, if as they can ever figure out more features and things that people want to buy to accessorize yep that's it that's pretty much it yes that's uh another one just waiting to be added to jacob's ever-growing collection of fans and other bits he's been hoarding so there is a person that's over at uh, pc gamer that apparently uh, talking about fans hard drives and boxes that they're hoarding um 
I thought that it was funny and worthy of at least bringing to people's attention, but there isn't much of a story there. Um, and I don't think, I think that you could probably, well, no, I don't think you can do this aftermarket. Like if you put a fidget spinner on there, it, it might, it'll event friction will eventually cause it to start spinning. So they're doing something unique with fixing that little hubcap there. I don't think that's something that you can add on. I think that it's actually a special design. Yeah, I don't know what I'm looking at. Let's move on to the next article. I'm not sure what that was. So um, I am really interested in the ID buzz. I don't think it's id. I think it's the ID buzz. I don't know how to pronounce it other than that. But if it's the id. It's the id dot buzz. <laughs> id dot buzz. Um, well, anyway, we bring you up to speed on the three row uh, id or ID buzz, uh, which is VW's US boss has described as a vehicle that will once again become a brand hero in America. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen, but apparently it's priced pretty high. Let's go over to the source. This is from Kelly Blue Book for Market Watch by Andy Bornhop. It's a three row, seven seat, massive cargo space. Expected range is about 275 miles, so it's not going to make it wherever I need to make it. Um, and look but it's for gonna it. look cute doing it man yeah i mean it looks pretty awesome i i mean i really do want it but it's supposed to start at about fifty thousand dollars i'm hitting the market sometime in 2024 summer at least um and be coined as the 2025 model yeah so the u.s version apparently is larger than the one that's in europe i want the one that's in europe because um, it's two row, it's shorter wheelbase, but apparently um, the the American version uh, would be more appealing as a three row. Yeah, whatever. Um, seats up to seven in its three rows. I, again, I'd rather have two row. Third row comprises two individual seats and is removable so that you've got more storage. Um, it's rear wheel drive or all wheel drive. It says it'll have good power, 330 horsepower is the, the all-wheel drive. It will have 330 horsepower. The rear wheel will be 292. Um, both models will use the same 91 kilowatt hour battery, but again, I'd rather have the shorter version. Um, and it comes loaded with standard equipment, power front seats, massager included, etc. There's a bunch of stuff, folding front mirrors, um, but the price all wheel drive model may be starting at 55,000 versus 50,000 for the rear wheel, rear wheel only, um, and a bunch of other stuff. So I would rather have the, the, the two row, as I've said four times in this. <laughs> we we want to be sure. Yeah. What do you think? 275 well, miles good enough for you? Um, if this is the kind of vehicle that you drive to the beach or something, sure. But I don't want a vehicle that I'm terrified that I can't get to wherever I need to go. 
and this one's suffers from the same issue as other evs because of that considering in my internal combustion engine vehicle i can go 100 miles further then fill up in five minutes um and the infrastructure is there wherever there is even out into the sticks yeah i think that there's there's an issue here um but it looks awesome i i want it but i want a canoe first the electric vehicle canoe hopefully it'll be cheaper than this and more utilitarian this looks pretty but Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's going to look really cute, but if you're stuck because you can't charge, then I guess you can at least look at it and admire it. Yeah, it's a cute paperweight. All right. And if it doesn't have fast swap batteries, then you can't charge fast. You can't get in and out of there fast. You're just, you're a lump. You're just there. So I don't know. I just don't feel good about this yet. Okay, last article. Let's get into it slowly um this article is in the late night geeks channel Um, major reddit communities will go dark to protest threat to third-party apps if you haven't been paying attention to this i actually ended up talking about this i think yesterday for a little bit um so what's going on is um apps like oh and they were mentioned today by the way at during the apple um keynote Uh, Reddit was referenced in regards to Apollo Um, and uh, Apollo is the app and the developer of Apollo is the one that is saying it's going to cost them $20 million a year to use the API that Reddit is allowing them to use um, for a fee because it makes so many interactions, it's $20 million. And so it says some of Reddit's biggest communities, including our videos, our reaction gifts, earth porn and life pro tips are planning to set themselves to private on June 12th over new pricing for third-party app developers to access the site's API. Meanwhile, Reddit took a hit because one of its major investors halved its, um, its uh, what do you call it, valuation. <laughs> and that wouldn't have been the first time that it did that. So it's basically getting sucker punched again and again. Um, devaluation from within is not, you know, people can perceive it on the outside as being, uh, you know, not at X valuation, but they want to IPO at 15 million or billion dollars. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, not even companies like. I don't know, Google or something IPO at that value, do they? Uh, they didn't. But nowadays, right. nowadays I see it possible because there's so much money. Um, so it says, uh, let's see. They describe what going dark is, which is basically setting it private. But here's the problem with this. Mods are not the ones that own the site. <laughs> so... If Reddit wants to, they can just reactivate these things and say, this is a violation of the terms of service um, and we can find more mods and mods are, uh, you know, there are people that are chomping at the bit to be a mod and it's very insular um, and only bigger and bigger um, uh, subreddits 
have more and more mods. And if you look at some of the mods there, they have like a thousand channels that they're a mod on it. I mean, it's kind of clickish. Um, and, uh, and, and usually it's almost meme level in response to what the mods do where you'll be shadow banned or, uh, outright banned, um, or a comment will be deleted. Um, and in one situation, and it's actually happened more than once, um, one of the people that were a developer for Reddit went in and changed a comment without it flagging as being changed. And it was somebody else's comment. So they had actually manipulated the content um, and it became a thing. And obviously, you know, um, I don't think I've heard any other stories since then. Um, but mods, mods are just regular Joes and they're not compensated um, for the work. And so they find their giggle wherever they choose to find their giggle. And uh, it's typically around power. And so going dark <laughs> when it's somebody else's property is akin to walking into uh, Ometown and unplugging the lights. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. I'll be plugging them back in and you will be invited not to return. That kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. I, I just don't see this. This is maybe just so that the issue dies down, there might be some response, but it's going to come down to, look, we have a business to run. This is not powered by hugs and bubbles. You need to pay bills. And when you have shareholders and stakeholders, people that have invested millions and hundreds of millions of dollars um, and expect a return on their investment of 15 times, you know, then yeah, they're going to demand that people who utilize the resources pay for it. Now, if you, if they were to spin up a subordinate site that interacts, but doesn't ping its API, then it's a different matter. You're adding value to it. You're not a tax on the infrastructure. Um, you're interacting in some way, but you're not actually utilizing the servers and, and whatnot. Um, then there's no recourse other than the fact that you've put your eggs in one basket. It is Reddit and only Reddit and Reddit doesn't want you there. Otherwise, they wouldn't charge you out the butt just to have access to an API that's entirely focused on user generated content. Reddit gets people submitting URLs. Okay, that's how Reddit works. The users actually power Reddit. These apps tap into the API that allows them to grab data from the API and display it to their users in the app like Apollo. But that content gets posted back onto Reddit. So it's akin to uh, making people pay for a blue check mark. When it adds value to your service, you really shouldn't be taxing it into oblivion. You shouldn't impugn the integrity of the check mark by just 
allowing a credit card to pay for it. Just like you shouldn't stab a third party app that allows people to interact with your service <laughs> to put content on your site. And it is the number one app. People hate the default Reddit app, but they love Apollo. So why would they do that? Let's go over That's to a the great actual. question. <laughs> Let's go over to the source of this article in Omtown. Um, it's actually um, sourced from The Verge. John Porter is the author of this. And um, it says app developers have said next month, uh, changes to Reddit's API pricing could make their apps unsustainable. Now, dozens of the site's biggest subreddits plan to go private for two days in protest. So um, there was, I can summarize. Basically, um, the developer of Apollo um, made a comment saying that if they are forced to pay the new Reddit API pricing, it would cost $20 million a year. And it's not sustainable um, for the Apollo developer. And basically all hell broke loose. And it says, but the developers behind other third-party Reddit apps have expressed similar concerns. Reddit is fun, said uh, it would have to pay a figure in the same ballpark as Apollo to con to continue to operate and that it doesn't earn anywhere remotely near this number. So professionally, I would have to say to, to Reddit, what is your objective here? If your objective here is to hobble um, every other third-party app into submission and then you buy them at a deep discount because they're worthless because they can't produce any revenue without the API and you've priced the API massively high, well, job done. You'll be able to buy some of these at uh, you know pennies on the dollar. But if you're looking to have a happy client base using your website through various other apps, maybe you should probably set a limit as in if you're making a million dollars or more, we would like 15%, 20% max, something like that, something reasonable because obviously these apps are making money off of the content that is being provided directly um, through the infrastructure of Reddit. It's using the compute resources of the API, okay, which is wholly different than other companies, uh, other ways of interacting, right? Well, getting a little piece of the action is kind of shady as shit too because the reason why reddit is so damn popular is because of the user's interaction well exactly but doesn't this kind of go into the thing about that it's gonna ipo and all of this yeah. i mean is this really going forward what it was set up for to me, it smacks of they're trying to eliminate anybody that's utilizing Reddit other than Reddit and its native app so that it can drive up the numbers for an IPO because there may be telemetry, but the telemetry is actually affording these third-party apps 
the same telemetry so that they can sell ads or a subscription service or whatever. And it's not going directly to, um, it's not going directly to Reddit itself because you have to use the website or their native app. Um, you get the sense though, that what they're trying to do is going to, well, it's certainly causing an uproar, but is it going to cause an implosion? I mean, I'm kind of thinking of things like the um, Dungeons and Dragons um, backlash, where it went to the very heart of the the community that was using it. I know it's not the same issue. Yeah, uh, if you if you harm the community, then you're going to end up harming yourself. Um, but they may like many other large companies not care that a certain amount of people walk away, but there is no other place to walk away to. So I've literally been told by, um, Redditors and Reddit mods and, and Reddit users that, Oh, you'll be back. One of the developers of Reddit said, you'll be back. Not to me, but to others. Um, like you just can't, you can't leave Reddit. Well, um, dig was the biggest competitor until it completely wet the bed. I mean, it imploded in such a way that, um, it's kind of like an early SpaceX launch. It just detonated right there. You know, they're like launch and it just like on the launch pad, <laughs> just obliterated itself. It said it couldn't take it anymore. I'll, 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 let me paint you a quick picture of this because Reddit exists because prior to what Dig did, Dig was eating Reddit's lunch because Reddit was basically this um, more scientific, long form communication location. That actually is kind of fake because the developers actually made fake users, put fake content. Um, and by fake content, I mean users posting comments. It was all um, like. Uh, it was bots all generated. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. bots. Um, and they admitted to it. You know, they basically faked it till they made it. But Dig was eating their lunch and then Dig pivoted to allow news companies to inject all of their content directly into dig with no user moderation. And so they did this major user experience, user interface pivot, made it whole really glitzy and glamoury, kind of like what Reddit is doing with its uh, new site, but it still retains old.reddit.com. So dig did this pivot opened up the floodgates for just mass submissions by companies and user generated stuff and submissions was flooded out. So everybody and their grandmother left dig and then dig imploded was purchased. And now I think is some news aggregation site as well, but it's meh, you know, compared to what it, it was, but uh, dig was just a, a beast of engagement. People really loved it because it was the more liberal side uh, between Reddit and um, Dig. Dig was the liberal side. Now Reddit is the only one, the only real community like this, um, which 
ironically, I can use the term, I dig Reddit um, and I don't read dig. I didn't read it anyway. Okay. So the pricing I think is to hobble these third party apps because then everything can be purchased at a discount. Now that might be conspiratorial, but that's the side effect of raising it to the point where they cannot afford to pay. Make sense. I thought uh, it does sense. make sense. I guess we'll see it play out. So it's going to, they're going to go dark for two days in protest, which is going to do nothing. I don't think it's going to do anything. Um, a complete list of the hundreds of communities taking part known in Reddit parlance as subreddits includes dozens with over a million subscribers each, which is really nothing. I mean, they're not, I don't think all that is, is kind of a, I don't know. It's a nod to responsible pricing, but um, it's up to um, to Reddit admins to make, well, Reddit investors and the board to go, does this really matter? Um, but maybe they'll, maybe the board and the CEO will say the same thing that uh, moderators and uh, the former um, directors of the site said to people. You'll be back. So with that, that's all 12 of our articles. You can go back to the very front page and mash that logo and it'll refresh. Wow, that was zippy. Wow. Um, and uh, right here you can do hometown daily, which is the podcast hometown election. This is when you're logged out, when you're logged in, these change shape and you get more functionality here where you can swipe left and right and save and ignore articles. Um, and it keeps a list. So if you want to just look at the, the articles that were posted since midnight of a given day, you can click that, um, or you can select a year, month and day, and it will do all of that. So if you hit a month, it'll grab content in that month. Um, so go over and visit hometown.com, sign in, sign up, become a citizen of hometown, um, request verification and I'll verify you. Just let me know. Uh, that you heard it from the podcast or from uh, YouTube or from uh, Twitch. Let me know that you got this um, little invitation. Um, we are on the cusp of also offering up the ability to submit your, your news, what you have found out there. Um, we will vet it and include it as uh, a, a post here in our all discussions list. Ta-da! So with that, I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say good night? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern for the daily, but earlier for other content. That's true. I will be online um, playing a game, talking about the news, and um, should be starting around 10 a.m. Um, all things allowing me i am the mayor of hometown so i have to triage my day and i would like to be here for a solid eight hours but that's usually not possible um oh as a matter of fact i cannot be here at 10 a.m i just realized i've got a meeting um outside of hometown that will keep me preoccupied for a couple of hours uh, but if you follow then i will be able to notify you via the 
uh, going online um, email that goes out. As soon as I start streaming, you get an email saying that I'm streaming and you can come and talk shop with me. Talk about the news because that's what we'll be doing. Each one of these uh, little headings here, right? So these are all our categories and then underneath it are individual channels. So Reality Hacker is about VR, AR, XR. Um, and deep fakes and all of that kind of stuff. That's the one of the shows that I'm going to be launching. I will be launching another show um, for each day of the week um, over the next uh, probably two weeks. I've planned a bunch of stuff, um, but it's very dynamic um, and we'll just go from there. Um, I have a lot of ideas, but I am also looking for hosts and co-hosts. So if you are interested in that kind of thing, get in touch and we will hash out the minutia thereof. Send an email to mayor at hometown.com and uh, I'll be sure to respond. So did you already say bye? Um, yes, I did. Yeah, you instigated that little tirade I just did. Well, you said bye. it's important to mention when you're going to be on. <laughs> I'm always on. Okay, folks. Thanks a bunch. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.